Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. What does Easter and what Jesus went through mean to me? Easter is the heartbeat of what we believe as a Christian. Four things that signify Easter for me is grace, love, forgiveness and hope. These are all given to us freely by the ultimate sacrifice by God, sacrificing his only son, Jesus. Jesus went through humiliation, torture and death so that we can have life with him. And the only thing that we have to do is believe with our hearts and confess with our tongues that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. Such amazing love he has for us and hope he has placed in our heart through Jesus' death and resurrection. Also, what does Easter mean to me? Easter means to me being one of being around family, but going more into like that context of being surrounded by my Heavenly Father, which is God. And what Jesus did, um, what Jesus did, and what that meant, means to me is to live in life to the full. And Jesus giving that experience to us. And um, that Jesus would do that again. The, all the pain and the suffering for us to be thankful and to live life to the full one day after another. And I'm really thankful, thankful for that and for what Jesus has done in our life. That he would do it every, like all the time for us to to give us the love and to show us the love that he has for us. Good morning, Penrith Churches of Christ. I've just come up to just share my thoughts about Easter. In my Christian faith, Easter is our celebrations of Christ's victory over death, which remind me the eternal life that Christ has granted to me and to all believers. So as we observe this season, let us remember that Christ is still on his throne and he still lives within us. Even as we observe this heartbreaking health crisis, let us as believers know that Christ still lives within us. Christ still lives within our surrounding. Christ is there to make everything possible for us as a believer as we celebrate this season. That's my thought about Easter. And I know as a Christian, I need to represent what Christ has done for me. So I thank you all for listening. Happy Easter to all parents, churches of Christ, and happy Easter to all believers. Thank you. The question is, what does Easter and what Jesus went through mean to me? As I reflect on this, my thoughts go to this very old hymn. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land. Upon that cross of Jesus, mine eye at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. And from my smitten heart with tears to wonders I confess, the wonders of his glorious love and my own worthlessness. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. Content to let the world go by, to know no gain nor loss, my sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. At this time of anxiousness and uncertainty in our nation and world, it is so good to be reminded of God's great love for, for me in sending Jesus to die on the cross and to know for certainty that I have been forgiven of all my sins, past, present and future. I know I have a Saviour who really makes life worth living. With coronavirus and all the uncertainty that we're experiencing, we do know with confidence that God is in control. Just remember this Easter as we reflect upon the cross on Good Friday that Sunday is coming and Jesus has conquered sin and death. May we all experience this truth that God loves you and me so much and is always there for us. God bless you all, my church family. I am always grateful that I was raised in church. I don't know a life without God in it. 
But sometimes I wonder if this has caused me to take for granted the gift of the crucifixion. Having sat through communion every week for 26 years, I think I sometimes become complacent with the enormity of what Jesus did. For me, Easter is stopping. Not going through the motions, but taking time to remember that God could have left us in that place. Forever a separation between us like it was for the Israelites with veils and sacrifices. Easter is truly focusing on the fact that he loves us so much that he chose the horrific death on the cross instead. He was beaten and shamed and he did this so that he wasn't just this God sitting up in heaven, but he would be here with us as something so much more, our loving father, a friend and a saviour. And then he did something that meant that this wouldn't just end here on earth. He rose again so that this incredible love would continue forever, eternally in heaven. Welcome to church. I'm hoping that you have come with a very open heart, a very open mind, a very open willingness to be able to explore just that little bit. Yes, we go through um, celebrating this year after year and we've probably heard all the messages and all different ways of um, experiencing uh, and journeying this, this important day uh, of the year. But my prayer today is that we can, one, center ourselves, but two, just be present enough, especially with what's going on in this world, to be able to sit there and go, all right, God, I'm sacrificing and surrendering everything that is holding me back from being present in what you are doing in my life, what you have done and what you have always planned. So I'm hoping that you are coming prepared to be able to see something far greater than what we could ever imagine. Just a couple of announcements. Just as we kick off this morning, we've got a fantastic uh, service planned for you this morning uh, as we journey this uh, Resurrection Sunday. So uh, everything that we're doing, everything that we've been doing um with with the current climate of this world, uh, continually keeps on getting updated by Facebook and uh, and email. So make sure that you keep in touch with us uh, via the socials, and um, we'll be sending emails out whenever we can, just to make sure that you're updated with all the information needed to be able to connect and to check in uh, in different ways. As we are a community uh, of, of church, if there's any prayer needs that you have, make sure that you're sending them, you're sharing them via prayer at. Uh, cofcpenrith.org. Um, we've also got our prayer Zoom gatherings, which you can get all the information on um, our Facebook page. Uh, and we've also got um, so many things that, that are happening within the LinkedIn small groups um, and Zoom gatherings in there as well. But there's a couple of things that I did want to share, that, that, that the life of um, the church, just because we're unable to meet together physically, doesn't just stop. Uh, so... There's a couple of massive praise reports. There's one praise report of a person um, that has been praying for their uh, their relative uh, that had cancer, and they've actually gone into remission, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, we've got another praise report of somebody that um, was actually unfortunately hacked um, and had some money stolen, uh, and that's actually been rectified in the last couple of days. So there's massive praise reports, which is fantastic. So continually keep on praying. We pray with expectant hearts uh, here at Penrith, uh, knowing that our our God is bigger than any of this situation that's happening here. Lord, as we sit, we stand, be present in what you have accomplished. Not just from your final words as it is finished, but your fulfillment of your prophecy in the rolling away in the empty tomb, the rolling away of the stone in the empty tomb. Lord, my beliefs is no matter what words I say, it will never do justice to what you have done. will never give justice to the love that you want to share, not only to me, not only to your followers, your believers, but to every one of your creations, Lord. I pray that this isn't just another part of the calendar. 
that this is a pivotal point in people's lives as we are being socially isolated, but yet we are still together as one in spirit. I pray for your movement as we journey and explore what you are saying. What I believe that you've placed on my heart for us to hear this morning, for us to journey, for us to impart into our lives and for us to be able to show hope to others. I pray for your movement and I pray for the words that I say and not of me, but of you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome again, guys. This is a very pivotal uh, part of the Christian calendar. This day that we celebrate, this day that we sit, this day that we reflect on what Jesus not only did, but what was always planned. We left on Friday uh, after Jesus was taken down off the cross and placed into the tomb. We left with uh, the, the final verse in, um, in Luke, in, in that section where Pilate turns around and says, secure it as best as you can and place guards around it to ensure that Christians don't deceive as Jesus had already foretold that he will rise again in three days. So what happened in Luke 24? It reads this. The very early Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. If you remember on Friday, I said that they went and they prepared the, 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 the spices, but it was coming up to Sabbath, so they weren't actually able to get to the tomb. So they got up early and they prepared the spices again to be able to take to anoint Jesus' body. There's parts in, in, in the gospel, uh, gospels of Mark where they're, they're actually having a discussion on the way and trying to figure out how they're going to roll away the stone. But when they got there, it continues on in, in Luke 24, chapter 1, it says, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be portrayed into the hands of sinful men. And then this is the biggest part. And be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Well, welcome to the third day. He has risen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the central fact in the Christian history. In Christian history, on it the church is built. Without it, there will be no Christian church today. Jesus' resurrection is unique. Other religions have strong ethical systems, concepts about the afterlife and various different translations of the scriptures. But only Christianity has God who became human, suffered and literally died for his people. And three days later, rose again in power and glory to rule over his church forever. 
The message this morning, for those that are taking notes, and I would, I would again very much encourage you to go grab a pen and a piece of paper because I believe that um, when when we read a message uh, or we listen to a message, sometimes there's some points that that can actually be impacted or imparted into our life for for that changing and molding molding piece. So go grab a pen and a paper if you want to, and for those that are taking notes today. The message this morning is called Part of His Plan All Along. On Friday, we journeyed the four choices Jesus made in bringing us freedom and in turn eternal life. Those four choices were the table, the court, the cross, and the grave. All of this was in preparing us along with his disciples, the whole way, Jesus now not only left an imprint, but he also left an invitation, a passage, a truth, and a reliance. The prophet Isaiah, in his book, in his 53rd book, I should say, speaks directly about the Messiah and how he would have to suffer for the sins of all people. Such a prophecy is absolutely outstanding since this prophecy was made 680 years before Jesus was even born. 680 years. And it was very, very in-depth. Who in their right mind, back in the day, who in their right mind would believe that God, the creator of the universe and everything in it, would choose to save the world through a humble, suffering servant rather than a glorious king? The whole idea was completely contrary. It was contrary to human, natural human pride and worldly thinking. But God often works in ways we don't expect. The Messiah showed true strength and worthiness of all praises by his humility, by his suffering, and in turn by his mercy. So we're going to turn to Isaiah 53 right now, just so that we can grab that reverence of what God had already planned, that it was always part of his plan part of his plan all along. Isaiah 53, we're starting in verse 2. It says this, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. goes on and says, there is nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. And this is where it starts getting in depth. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Just before I go on here, do you, do you hear the language here? And I want you to actually, to, to, to actually study that language that, that Isaiah is using here. He's not saying it as, as that it's coming, like that he's writing it 60, 680 years before he was born. He's actually writing it 680 years before he's born like it had already happened. So this is what completely outstands, like it just blows my mind, and I don't know where you stand with this, but you sit there and go, This was part of God's plan. How much more do we mean to him? It goes on and says this, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. 
but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Now, in reflecting of this, I was sitting there, sitting back, sitting there going, how would this happen? Listening to this actually makes me sit there and reflect a lot harder to what Jesus has done by going to the cross, but knowing that everything was going to happen, and he still chose to go there, he knew in depth what was going to happen. So how could an Old Testament person understand the idea of Christ dying for our sins, actually bearing the punishment that we all deserve? How can people, back in the original, when the original texts were written, take this as truth? When even the disciples that personally journeyed with Jesus, having him tell them what was exactly going to happen, still didn't believe. Even worse, we still have people today after everything that has happened and after everything that has been recorded from Jesus' death to even the present day, the miracles, the life-changing stories, the things that God has shown up and done and created and been a part of, the countless accounts throughout the, uh, the history of the modern world and God being the only stable foundation. People still don't choose life. They choose against it. The original sacrifices suggest this idea. And those original sacrifices that I'm talking about, which I alluded to on Friday, was the lambs that had to be done day after day, year after year. So the original sacrifices suggested that this idea had to happen But it was one thing to kill a lamb and it was something quite different to kill God's chosen servant, his one and only son, and making him as that lamb. But God was pulling aside the curtain of time 680 years before Jesus was born. He was pulling aside the curtain of time of time, to let the people of Isaiah's day look ahead to the suffering of the future Messiah and the resulting forgiveness made available to all people. Going back to Isaiah 53, Isaiah continues by saying this, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord lay on him the sins of us all. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 Peter 2.22, it sums it up perfectly. Perfect. He personally carried our sins in his body, on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. So my first question today is, how are we going to react to what Jesus has done? Are we actually living in the forgiveness? Are we actually living in the healing? Are we actually living in what Jesus has done for us to be able to live and not just survive today? This healing that it talks about in First Peter is it includes the body, the soul, the emotions, and our complete life. This was fulfilled in two ways. First, by all the ministries of Jesus that he showed and that how he lives through us now. But secondly, and most importantly, by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
that came from his wounds of choice. Going back to Isaiah 53, it goes on and says this, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Goes on and says this, Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan. There it is. It's his plan all along. It was the Lord's good plan. Not a very good plan for Jesus but an ultimate plan for us. It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Why? Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan, again, his plan all along, will prosper in his hands. The Messiah suffered for our sake, not for his sake, bearing our sins, not his sins, to make us acceptable for God. Completely and utterly selfless. What can we say about such love? How and how have we responded in knowing this? Whether it be this the first time that you're realizing this or whether it be just a reminder, how are you responding to this utter showing of love? Back in Isaiah 53, it goes on and says this, when he sees all that he has accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted as righteous. It is not about what we do. It has never been about what we do. It is not about what we can bring to the table. It has always been about us surrendering our own ambitions and stepping into what has already been planned, what has already been laid out, and what has already been done. It is finished. It continues on. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honours of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. And this is the one that absolutely blew my mind as I was preparing this message. Listen to this carefully. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for those rebels. He showed love. He showed love no matter what. He was seen as a rebel. He interceded for the rebels. But he was there to show love. Why did this need to happen? Well, soon I've got some things, quick things for you to jot down, but I want to just explore it just a little bit. And um, I want to start this off in Jeremiah 31. Verses 33 and 34, it says this, But this is the new covenant 
He always said that he would send him his blood is the new covenant. The blood that he shed by his wounds is his new covenant. And this resurrection that we celebrate today is the, is not just the full stop. This is the continuation. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, said the Lord. I will put my instructions, and this is very pivotal. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. He wants to personally journey with us. He wants to personally know us. He wants us to personally know him. So he puts his instructions deep in our hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbours, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should follow the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And here's the kicker. And I will forget their wickedness. I'll forgive their wickedness. And I'll remember never again. I will never again remember their sin. Wow. It's not enough for him to actually send his son to die. For, for him to actually supply a new covenant, a new promise, a new agreement with us, but yet he's going to forget our past. He, he's going to wipe our slate clean and he's going to allow us to present as perfect like his son it's very much unfathomable isn't it so why is this done the old covenant broken by God's people would be replaced by the new unbreakable covenant The foundation of this covenant and the only thing that makes this covenant possible is the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find in Hebrews 8.6 it says this, But now Jesus, the high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So when God sees us as pure, when God sees us as perfect, he doesn't just see us, he sees what Jesus is doing in us and loves us anyway. Christ is not only our mediator, but he is our guarantor. He is our wellspring defense attorney and the friend that took the punishment. But why did this need to happen? Because it was all part of God's plan. All along. The thing is, do we really see it? So let's explore that. On the same day, the tomb was found empty. On the road between Jerusalem and Emmaus, there was two believers that that were walking in the direction of Emmaus. And they were chatting and chatting and chatting. And suddenly this person just appears in between them, or amongst them it says, and starts asking, what are you guys chatting about? So they were explaining about what was happening and there was even a conversation or a comment made that, don't you know what's happened? You must be the only person in Jerusalem that that doesn't know the events of the last couple of days. So this person asks them to explain what's happened. Little did they know this person that appeared was Jesus. And we pick it up in Luke 24, verse 25, and it says this, Jesus turns, without them actually knowing it was Jesus, Jesus turns to these two people and says, you foolish people, 
You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and then all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I just, just before we move on, I just, I, I can imagine that Jesus is sitting there and, and having like a Bible theological lesson with them, taking them through everything that has already been prophesied, everything that Jesus had said, literally had said. These guys would have been present, um, for Jesus' teaching. These guys would have been in Jesus' presence when he would have been sitting there going, this is what's going to happen. And then this guy who they don't recognize that it's Jesus would turn around and go, "Ah, you foolish people. Literally a couple of days ago, this was being said. And then a lot before that, the, the readings that you have studied for years and years and years have said that this was going to happen, but yet you still don't believe it. You foolish people. It goes on and says this, by this time, They were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted lie as if he was going on. So he had finished the walk. But they begged him, stay with us the night since it is getting late. So they went home with him. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it just like we did on Friday. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. That shows me that Jesus has a sense of humor. He sits there and he lays it all out on the table, then sits there and makes sure that they question what they had already learned, what he had already taught them over and over and over again. Breaks bread like he said, what he did at the Last Supper, breaks bread and then then appears or they recognize him and then he disappears. That to me is just like, that's awesome. I like that. But anyway, God, let's go into this just a little bit deeper. God would write his law on their hearts, but yet they didn't see this. No matter how much Jesus had to go back through all the prophets, through all the readings, through all the writings um, with these two people that actually journeyed with Jesus. So God turned around and said, well, there's not a matter of scripture that we can actually fulfill. People need to experience this. People need to have it written deep in their heart so that when uh, when they journey with me, they will know me intimately, personally, even before they even know it. So it's God would write his new law on their hearts, on our hearts, rather than on stone tablets like previously experienced with the Ten Commandments. This change seemed to be described as the new experience or as the experience very much like the new birth. With God taking the initiative, it's not us taking the initiative. And I'll continually keep on saying nothing that we can do. It's like we can't, our good deeds don't, don't even justify anything that what Jesus has done. God took the initiative to be able to pave this path for us. When we give our lives to God, I mean truly give our lives to God, He, by the Holy Spirit, builds in us the desire to seek, discover, and share his love, his life, and his freedom that he offers, that is promised through the death and the resurrection of his one and only son. But here's the kicker, only if we allow him. So this is the reason why I got you to grab your pens and your paper. 
Here's seven things, seven reasons why the resurrection is so important. First reason is, and write this down, because Christ was raised from the dead. Why is the resurrection so important? Because Christ was raised from the dead. If there was no resurrection, then Christ would have just been dead on Friday and that was it. But the resurrection is so important because Christ was raised from the dead. We know that the kingdom of heaven has broken into earth's history. Our world is now healed, uh, heading for redemption, not disaster. God's mighty power is, in, is at work within us, growing and molding his children and preparing us for when Jesus returns. Second reason why the resurrection is so important. Because, because of the resurrection, we know that death has been defeated. And with that, we know that we are assured eternal life, the way, the truth, and the life. Third reason this morning, the resurrection gives authority to the church's witness in the world. Look at the very early evangelistic sermons in the book of Acts. The apostles' most important message was to the proclamation of Jesus Christ's rising from death. Yes, they preached on a lot of other things, his miracles, but the main basis was the proclamation of his rising on the third day. Number four this morning, the resurrection gives meaning to the church's sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which we celebrated and we did and we took part to, uh, together on Friday. It gives power and meaning to that. Just like Jesus, says, as I was saying before uh, in that story, the road to Emmaus, just like Jesus' follower on the road to Emmaus, we break bread with our risen Lord who comes in power to save us in remembrance of what he has done and what he is doing in our lives. Number five this morning is the resurrection helps us find meaning even in great tragedy, which this is very pivotal in the life of the world at the moment with everything going on. You hear news happening all the time. But the reason why the resurrection is so important that helps us find meaning in a great tragedy is because no matter what happens to us as we walk with the Lord, the resurrection gives us hope and hope of the future. This is the hope that the hopeless will be searching for. This is the hope that we need to shine to the rest of the world. This is the hope that we need to expand because we know and we have experienced the life and the true life that God has always had planned for his creation. Number six this morning is the resurrection assures us that Jesus Christ is alive and ruling his kingdom. He is not a legend. He is not a fairy tale. And he's not even just a great story. He is alive and he is active and he is real. Do you believe that? And the seventh one today, seventh one this morning, seventh and final one is God's power that brought Jesus back from the dead is available to us. So much so a lot of the times us, our human nature tends to limit what God does, tends to limit the power that God wants to show and express and, and, and go through us as we allow him, and that's the big, that's the big kicker of the word, as we allow him. He gives us this ability is so that we can live for him in this very lost world. Christians can look very different from one, from each other. And they can hold widely varying beliefs about political um, issues, about lifestyle, and even about theology. 
But one central event unites and inspires all Christians from all walks of life, all denominations and all histories. And that is that Jesus Christ was crucified and then rose again in three days from the dead. That is why the resurrection is so important. And that is why it was always part of God's plan. The last thing I want to share with you this morning, just before we wrap up, I want to share it from Paul's letter to the Corinth church. It's the power of the resurrection. It's what we need to hold tight to not only as believers, not only as his children, but as people that need to be able to live and not just survive, live and not just exist in, in, in whatever life throws at us. Listen to these words. Paul writes, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. First thing, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was, he, he, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time most of whom are still alive, this is back when the letter was written. Though some have died. Then he was seen by James and then later by all the, the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This is Paul talking. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted the church of God. But whatever I am now, it is because God poured out his special favour on me. And not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it is not I, but God, who is working through me for his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or whether they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. We have the same God living in each of us. Let's not limit him to our abilities because as soon as we do that, we don't do justice to what he has done. I'm moved this morning by the fact that this could be the first time somebody may have actually experienced the love of God. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning if this is if this is a decision that you want to make this morning, I would love for you to be able to pray a prayer with me. And again, if uh, if you've uh, if you have given your life, but you've gone astray and you want to come back, and this message in some way has 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 made you want to make that decision and want to actually step forward and start seeking God more and finding out what life is like rather than just existing and getting by day by day, pray this prayer with me as well. And for everyone else, I would just love you to be able to pray this prayer with me as well. Just to be able to be supportive of those people that are making those decisions this morning. Join with me now. Heavenly Father, I know I have sinned. I know I have messed up this gift of life you have given. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. And through his resurrection, 
I am ready to live and not just exist. I am ready to stop living in darkness and start living in light. But I can't do it on my own. My life is yours. I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm hoping that you weren't just impacted. I'm hoping that you weren't just encouraged. I am praying that something from this message that God is going to impart, something that's not going to just change your life, but is going to change the life of anybody you come in contact with. Replace your eyes with God's to be able to experience the true meaning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me pray and I'll see you guys next week. Lord, I just thank you first and foremost for everything that you have done. Thank you that you are a good, good, gracious God. And that no matter what we do, that you have already done the ultimate sacrifice. I pray that we can walk away from this message knowing that we can be better, far greater and far far more loving than we have ever been if we allow you to mould and shape in reflection of what you did, not only on the cross, but leaving that tomb empty. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. See you guys next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.